Hour number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. And we always look forward to being joined by Vince Ferrara as he joins us for this second hour of the program. He joins us via the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline. And Vince, who makes your appearance possible one week to the next. Yeah, it is Waters Equipment Company. They provide heavy-duty equipment like skid steer tractor machines and mini excavators, tractors, things like that, and service on them. Been in service for four 48 years in the area so great company and look forward to mentioning them and uh sharing some of the knowledge about what that company is all about so thanks to waters equipment company for sponsoring the hour we sure do appreciate them and of course we invite you to join us uh throughout the hour 656-9900 656-9900 star 990 is free for at&t and u.s cellular customers the toll-free number 1-866-656-9900 vince uh we've it's kind of like easing into the shallow end of a swimming pool we've we've had a smattering of college football, but uh, what do you think about a game Thursday, a game Friday, and 20 games, including the ACC and the Big 12, getting fired up this Saturday? Yeah, it's been awesome. I think the uh, Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit BYU Navy game was the first one where the broadcasters were on site. I think the others have been remote, and it's been it's been interesting. I think they've largely pulled it off. I'm not really in the complaint mode right now i'm just appreciative of having football on my tv college football and seemingly we're getting through these games without any COVID issues or shutdowns or controversy or anything like that so that all makes me happy and overrides you know maybe a little bit of limitations on things that, that they're not able to see but especially with espn you know cbs the major networks have resources uh, the, their broadcasters to try to make up for not being there can do. And Tom Luganbill and others have shared sort of some behind-the-scenes uh, pull-the-curtain, uh, peek-behind-the-curtain views of what it's like for their setup. So that, that's been cool, and I think they've done a great job and, and just really enjoyed seeing it. A lot of blowouts, so that's been – that's taken away from a, a skosh, but <laughs> it's uh, it's still – uh, I'm still thankful to have it and glad that we're seemingly getting through these games without me focusing on the fact that there's no fans. I've gotten caught up in the games and not been thinking, God, what kind of product is this? There's no fans there. It would be a different level like we're used to seeing with the passion, the pageantry, all that, the energy. I get it would be better with fans, but – Having it available there, uh, I think, has overridden any concerns or or anything about there not being, uh, or at least many fans, and and some some without any, and some limited. But either way, I, I think just having it has been has been uh, a lot of fun. So I'm watching Sports Center highlights over the weekend, and Vince, there was a guy named O Vince St. Prue with a left hand knockout Saturday night. Very impressive. Yeah, uh, one of the performances of the night, he really needed that win. He had gone to heavyweight for one fight and lost a close decision when he went up to heavyweight. Um, He's a big athletic guy, so it was just easier for him to not have to cut weight. But he is so much more athletic than most of the guys in the light heavyweight division, and 
it was great to see him show his power again. He typically uh, will get submission wins or he of, of late with his patented Von Flu choke, which they uh, have deemed the Von Pru choke because he does it so much and seemingly is the only one to to finish guys with that. Well, not many others do it with, with that technique. And But light heavyweight is more of his division where he can have the most success and he needed that win. His opponent was a heavy puncher in, uh, in Alonzo Minifield, and he was also a very athletic guy. So very impressive, and hopefully OSP can get into a little bit of a groove to, to string some wins together in that division and move up those rankings because now John Jones has left the division as the champ, and he's gone toe-to-toe with John Jones in the division too. So when no Vince is on, uh, he can be outstanding, and we'll see now that Jones is out if that maybe opens the door for OSP to string some wins together and, and move up in the rankings. Vince, was there any surprise to you in terms of um, transaction with uh, former Tennessee players, whether it was uh, Dustin Colquitt signing with the Steelers, Dobbs getting released by the Jags, re-signing with the Steelers, uh, Jennings, Nigel Warrior, anybody surprise you along the way involving the former Tennessee players? Not greatly. You know, the the Jaguars, honestly, it doesn't make a ton of sense what they do. I mean, I, but we, <laughs> we, know, we know what they're doing. They're trying to be terrible for Trevor is what they're trying to do. Terrible. <laughs> and they are succeeding. I mean, they're getting W's in that department more so than on the field. And so, you know, for them to drop their veteran quarterbacks behind a young quarterback in Gardner Minshew, that isn't logical to, to keep a, you know, a young quarterback. But that, that's, what they're, that's what they did. So, you know, it made a lot of sense for him to go back to the Steelers and uh, he's technically the number three behind Rudolph and obviously Roethlisberger, but they don't have to adjust their system for Josh Dobbs. I know some fans over the weekend were like, oh, the Titans need to sign them, and you know they don't have the strongest of backup situations there. So, um, But it, it, the Steelers, they, they don't have to come up with a plan for, uh, for Dobbs. They already know what they can do with him if he had to, to come into the ballgame. So um, you know, that didn't shock me. I guess maybe the most surprising might have been Daniel McCullers being cut because he has been, even though he hasn't been a major piece, he has survived them bringing in defensive tackles seemingly every year, and then he ends up doing enough to be the backup nose. And every year you just kind of take it for granted that, he was just going to stick in that spot and give you, you know, a dozen or so plays a game. But they released him. Um, I, you know, a lot of the guys, eight of the twelve that were released, ended up back on practice squads. <laughs> a ninth in Dobbs, it, you know, was uh, was signed to the fifty-three, and that only left three guys that were released not back in the league and running back John Kelly, uh, Jonathan Kongbo, who was released on an injury settlement. We had talked about that last week where he was released then signed back because he was unclaimed. So it automatically put him on 
the reserve injured list and and then they came to an injury settlement so he could be cut loose and hopefully find another landing spot which is tough right now and then the other one was Ethan Wolf with the with the Saints so those are the three that did not get gigs but um you know just the number of players on practice squads I don't remember it ever being eight uh, former Vols and um, practice squads before, but that's because it's a larger group. So nothing stunning. Honestly, Jimmy, it wasn't even a release that was the most surprising. Uh, to me, it was Daryl Taylor having to go on the reserve non-football injury list with that stress fracture that was bothering him at, at Tennessee that he played through because looking through the rules, that's an automatic eight games that he has to sit before he can be activated. He can come back and practice after six, but he's out at least eight games. I mean, for a second-round pick to not be available and then for him to not be able to get on the field his rookie year is very disappointing, especially because the Seahawks need pass rush and you know excited to see what he can do. Uh, for them uh, up in the Northwest. So that, to me, that might have been the most notable of the moves and probably what went under the radar the most. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince with us for the entire hour. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We've got more coming your way as you listen to 99.1, the sports animal. The voices in our head may not be real, but they're loud and have some good ideas. This is 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest this hour, Vince Ferrara. To join us, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And Vince, as uh, you and Jimmy were talking about the National Football League, uh, really enjoyed your conversation with Steve Weiss of the NFL Network last week. And when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, loved his, uh, his painting the picture of their two years away from being being two years away <laughs> it's so accurate and you know look I, there was the whole process thing with the philadelphia 76ers how has that worked out now to be fair just a, just a, a little bit the miami dolphins look like they were tanking for two well last year and they actually ended up being more competitive so who knows if those players somehow find a way, even though the roster doesn't look like they can be uh, competitive or any, any sort of playoff contention, if maybe they rise up. That's the only defense you can give to the Jaguars is the Dolphins outperformed their roster last year. Maybe they can rally and find a way. But, yeah, he did, he did a great job of pointing that out because it is true. It's head-scratching the things that they're that they're doing from a logic standpoint even though we all know why they are doing it and that would be for trevor lawrence i thought it was interesting too what he said uh about you know ryan Tannehill. he has high expectations for 
the Tennessee Titans this year under Tannehill and having the team, him running that team. He loves the weapons that they, they've got there on offense. So uh, it was a, a fun conversation, and we'll post, I'll post on my blog a video version of that because we did a Zoom call at the same time. So if anyone missed it, we'll also have the uh, Vince's video version of my conversation <laughs> with Steve Weiss coming to as well. Look forward to that as um, he was encouraging you to uh, to go get the shave, right? <laughs> yes. And look, I'll take I'll take advice. He's a good looking guy. I'll take advice from those in a in a better situation than I am on uh on staying clean shaven. It is it's the combination, it's a difficulty. You know, you wanna you wanna look like you've been in quarantine and never left your house and look all rugged and you know, <laughs> you know, unfortunate, but it, you also add years to <laughs> your look. So Kind of a fine balance, so yeah, we're we're getting the razor out, and uh, appreciate Steve's f- uh, feedback on that. Let's get a call from Randy. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Randy. Hello. Good afternoon. How you doing today? Doing all right. How are you? Randy. Doing fine. There's a police car going by. Little background noise there. Hey, uh, I've got a couple of baseball rules questions, but before I do that, I want to. Um, Ask all the listeners out there to call the city and county mayors and your councilmen and commissioners and support baseball coming back to Knoxville. Express your interest in that. And uh, my rules questions on uh, baseball, and I've seen this happen recently as well as through the years. Um, Runner was running, um, got caught between first and second base, and it could happen second or third or any base. But on the um, throw to the to the next baseman, he stepped into the line of the throw to, and it hit him, and he did it on purpose so he could be – I guess he thought he could be safe. Is that – or he leaned his helmet into the throw, and the throw hit him in the helmet, and I, I saw that recently. What's the call on that? Is he going to be safe if he does that? My understanding is – Go ahead, Jimmy. My understanding is if he ducks or puts his shoulder or in any way uh, intentionally impedes the throw, then he's out. Okay. Okay. Now, the next question I've seen through the years and also seen this recently, if a runner is sliding into a base, second or third or whatever, and he reaches up and slaps the ball with his hand, slaps the ball out of the, uh, the catcher's hand or the baseman's hand, Yep. Is he safe or out? Out. Out. Okay. He cannot slap the ball out. Correct. Okay. All right. Good to know. And he can't can't lean into the path of the ball, and, and he's called out in that situation. Okay. Correct. I wasn't sure on that, and I appreciate that. So thank you so much, gentlemen, and you have a good day. All right. Uh, you as well. Vince, uh, I think my favorite instance of that uh, would be in the 2004 <laughs> American League Championship Series. Uh, Bronson Arroyo with a little dribbler down the line, picks it up. And, of course, it was Alex Rodriguez with a big hamburger helper batter glove on that left hand. Just took a big swipe at it <laughs> in a very masculine way. And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> But that was uh, that was Game Seven, and that was when the uh, when the umpires got every call right. Yes, 
Yes, to continue their long track record of doing so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you had a home run into the stands in left field that at first was ruled a double. They got together. And this was before replay. I mean, it was there right. were like three instances where they actually had to confer and the crew overturned three different calls. And that's what lets you knew, know something was afoot as uh, – as there were all kinds of curses and demons that were just laid to rest that incredible night in the Bronx. <laughs> There's no doubt, boy, what a, what an incredible year and series that was. And, um, I, I like the, as far as the, the base running part of it, I, you know, a lot of it is, is intent. I mean, we see, we see throws hit those base runners, but yep. you can't intentionally, uh, impede the, the, the throw or knock it down out of a glove or, you know, get in into the throwing line uh, and, and try to get hit. That's the, the big part of that. But, you know, at least replay can can help with some of those calls. You get a better look at it than, than you used to, other than maybe, you know, four people that didn't really see what happened. So now they're discussing all right, none of us saw this. What are we going to come to a conclusion on, which, of course, is so frustrating. Yeah, but uh, always like it when they uh, they get together and have a big chat. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of, a, of an executive getting tossed from a private suite because he wasn't wearing a mask over the weekend, Vince? <laughs> Talk about the long about arm of that. the law. <laughs> but wasn't wasn't he yelling at the umpire? I thought that was a factor yeah. in that also. Yeah, yes. not not it just was. The, the mask patrol. Maybe yeah. they wouldn't have hurt him if he had a mask on. There you go. If you <laughs> if yeah. you're gonna tee up blue, you better have your P's and Q's in this day and time. Otherwise, it's like, excuse me, you need to leave, <laughs> and I can do but that this a, time. <laughs> but clearly. He wasn't trying to stay in and stay in protocol. He wanted the umpire to hear what he was saying and didn't think he'd get tossed. So just like a coach on the sideline that's wearing a mask, if they need to say something to the quarterback, the, the mask is getting slid down to the neck so you can yell at him, and then he'll put the mask back on. So uh, he just didn't think he was going to get tossed. But um, Yeah, that's why just, you got the coaches going with the Gators. <laughs> just an easy tug. It's down. It's go time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have a uh, question or comment for Vince, 656-9900, 656-9900. Vince, I wanted to get your take on the most recent Tennessee basketball commit. They got a shooting guard, a top 50 player from Rancho Cucamonga in California. Yeah, it just the, the role continues for Rick Barnes and, it is, you know, the perimeter shooter shooting is what you want. Interesting because, you know, some of the recent players, the five-star players that have come in, that's been an area that they've, uh, that maybe has been one that they've needed to develop. So get, getting a little bit more of a pure shooter is interesting. I think it's a good thing. You don't want to bring everybody in where everybody needs to get better in their perimeter shooting. You'd like to have, some some really already good established natural shooters to go with the versatile athletic players that they're bringing into the program. So um, you know, you want them to to continue to to look to bring in posts, but man, um, Rick Barnes just continues to get it done, and you know that they're going to fit the culture 
uh, and have the intangibles that that coaching staff wants. And football gets another commit. They get their 26th commitment. They get their third offensive line commit. And William Parker Griffin out of uh, Pearl Cone. Uh, and as we were talking earlier, he was a three-star, but he certainly had a lot of really good offers. Uh, Vince, I think the more important number here is three offensive linemen, not 26 commits, because the 26 commits, I think, will work themselves out. I agree, Jimmy. And it's two of those three offensive linemen in the last week which tells you where they were before that. You know, when they were at 24, you had one offensive lineman. That wasn't going to work. And you knew they were going to address it. It was just a matter of with who, and you'd make room to address that position. You, you can get to signing day with three if it's, if it's these three, but it was an area, a huge area of need, and to be able to land those two, I'm with you, the offer list, William Parker Griffin is higher than what his average uh, composite recruiting ranking is. Would not surprise me because he's he's still a high three-star with all of them averaged if he does get into the, the four-star range because of all the schools that wanted him. I, I think late in the process – a lot of people felt like it, this was this was going Tennessee's way, and it played out that way. Um, you know, just a really good size, and um, you know, a, a, a need in the last week to get guys. But Barton Simmons has talked about it. Craig Hobbers talked about it. Tennessee likes guys, likes the stature, the size on the O line. Gone are the days of getting undersized linemen or tied in types and then planning to put weight on them. I mean, it's just the SEC, you don't have time to do that. You're, you're, you're more likely to take some weight off of guys like we've seen Javante Spragans and Robinson and, and others on, among those young offensive linemen where you can take some weight off of them. And that is a little bit easier to do to get them to a playing weight that you like, but then they have – the frame that you're looking for ideally and probably still some athleticism better than what their size would would typically bring you rather than having to put weight on them because now you're talking about a, a more extensive process and project to get them to the stature that you feel like you need them you know and guys are it's not easy to put on that kind of weight and the right weight if you're the thinner lineman that this program used to bring in. So it, it reflects the philosophy of this current coaching staff and clearly fills, uh, fills a need um, to, uh, to at least get to, to three offensive linemen in the class. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join the conversation, 656-9900, 656-9900. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break and be back with more as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Hey, this is VFL Joshua Dobbs, and we're counting it down. It's just 18 days until it's football time in Tennessee. This Sports Radio WNML countdown to kickoff is brought to you by Knoxville TVA Employees Credit Union. Find out more at tvacreditunion.com.
Sports Talk continues. 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he joins us this hour. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And let's check in with Jack. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jack. Uh, good afternoon. Have a a question regarding uh, baseball rules, since that uh, seems to be a topic of conversation. Uh, last night's game with the Braves has been many games this year where they've had the extra innings. They start out with a runner on second base, and my question is, is the pitcher charged with an earned run if that runner scores? <laughs> I believe he is. I will double-check, but I believe so. How else would you score it? I'm thinking about that. It's not it's not his fault the runner's on second, but how would you score it otherwise? Is it, I mean, how would it be an unearned run if somebody hits a base hit to knock him in or a two-run home run to score him? Um, it seems a little bit unfair, but John, I don't know what I don't know another way that you would score it. Aha, uh-huh. there you go. Uh, th- there is an exception, as there are. Uh, pinch runners are allowed. Pitchers will not be charged with an earned run if the designated runner scores. So if, uh, if it would be the top of the inning and more than one run would score, that tells me perhaps that the second run would be earned, but the first run would not be because, as you were talking about, Jack, um, and, Jimmy, you mentioned it as well, it is not his fault. So um, yeah. the first runner would not be charged. Okay, well, that was I was curious in that uh, A.J. Mentor had a sub-1 uh, ERA, and I just wondered if that would add to it last night. Uh, when the, uh, he, he got the loss, I guess, but he didn't get the, uh, uh, the earned run. <laughs> Correct. Okay, all right. Well, thank you very much. All right, sure do appreciate it, Jack. 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, how, do you, how much do you think it hurts Tennessee that there's a pretty good chance they're not going to get in their, all their 25 practices, according to Jeremy Pruitt, and that there were 44 guys <laughs> out for the Saturday scrimmage. They did have a practice. Now, we talked about they had 14 periods of a practice. They didn't have the scrimmage. That's a lot of folks out, Vince. That's got to have an impact on what you're trying to get done in practice, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he admitted that they they wouldn't be able to get all those practices in more than likely. And, you know, he mentioned, I guess, 21, 22, 23 in that range. So, they're through 11 total practices, which would put them at the halfway mark. Um, and in terms of weeks of time, you know, they've gone through three weeks and still got three more weeks to get through to get to, um, you know, the start of the season. So even from a time standpoint, they're about midway through. I'm guessing, Jimmy, that there are other programs that are have been slowed in terms of getting all their practices in, pushing a practice back or you know, doing a temporary pause. And I also would imagine that there are other programs that have had some form of of groups of players out with contact tracing. I just don't know 
if other programs have been as forthcoming in saying that that's the, their situation. Saw today that Lincoln Riley says we're no longer giving out any COVID-related information because it's a competitive advantage. I mean, seriously? But that's that's kind of the way, you know, some coaches think. And now it, COVID's going to be used as a – uh, you know, a, a difference maker in terms of strategy where you don't know who's got it and who doesn't, um, rather than alerting mm. alerting your fan base and everyone as to who's dealing with a real-life significant situation. My guess is that should override you and your paranoia over competitive advantages. So, um, but Jeremy Pruitt offered that information about the players being out, so good for him. He took questions when he was asked about, of those, how many are active cases? He said, uh, current active cases, he said seven or eight. So mm -hmm. I, I give Jeremy Pruitt credit for being truthful about where they stand. It, it's significant to lose players for that chunk of time. Um, and But I, I wonder, here's the, th the key on this. I thought that the, the networks and national uh, websites and things like that, they kind of use Tennessee as a, as a headline, as a wow headline, and gave the impression that Tennessee had 44 positive COVID tests and they had to shut things down. And I, that wasn't accurate. Like you said, they still practiced. They right. just They just decided – because they didn't have a, a chunk of their players, that it wouldn't be safer or proper to scrimmage. And it's the second time they had pushed it back. Pruitt said they were originally going to scrimmage on Wednesday. So I thought it was a little misleading on what it was. I think this is the protocol, and they were probably being, being safe to the letter of their, of their protocol. And if that's the case, good for them. The key is, is where did the contact tracing come from? Did it come from a large gathering? Uh, did, like a lot of people are saying, oh, it was, the, it was that, uh, that march that they did downtown. I don't know. Maybe it was. I don't know. Or is it who they're living with on campus? Is, did one dorm have a number of positive cases to where you had a number of players that were – that were near others that didn't that had it, and now you connect the dots to a, a, a large chunk of players. If that's the case, then then some of those things outside the facility, I think you might be able to manage better uh, and avoid these kind of things during the season. If it's football related, and it's because someone in the facility had it and they went through practices and drills and then you know they were in contact uh with all the the rules and 15 minutes and close contact things like that to where the football activities now multiply multiplied the contact tracing then that to me is a little bit more of a concern and it goes back to more of the kind of the way we were we were thinking about the difficulties of this in the off season of well if you had an offensive lineman have it then he's been in contact with this player and this player and this player on both lines. Now you got to shut down all your units. I, I haven't heard the reason for, and I didn't from, from Pruitt Saturday, the specifics of where 
that came from. If it's not football related, then I, I think that's a good sign. Do you know the difference there, Jimmy? No, the, I, they may not know. Right. They, they may be speculating themselves. They may not know. Uh, on one of your points about the Tennessee thing, because the first thing I saw from ESPN was 44, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then we find out it was seven or eight that were positive. They did a similar right. thing with LSU. They reported LSU a while back at like 28 under quarantine, and everybody went mm-hmm. nuts to only to find out uh, that uh, only two or three of those had tested positive and the others were under quarantine. Here's the other thing, though, that to me has kind of gone under the radar a little bit that I think is a concern. When Pruitt said 48 guys have missed at least 14 days due to quarantine, that's mm-hmm. a lot. Four have been quarantined twice. So that that is a high number to me that has got to impact your ability to practice at an efficient level and to be ready for an opener. I think so. I didn't sense a uh, any sort of woe is me from him, and I guess Pruitt's not really the kind to to give that off, even if that is the case. But I, I, I just don't know how it compares to others because not everyone is sharing that same kind of information on, mm-hmm. on players being out. So if it's on par with everybody else, then you manage it and deal with it. And I think that's kind of Pruitt's – that's been his mentality through everything whether it's the whole quarantining and, and uh, getting players to be able to, to work out and do things in, in, the, in the coaching staff, uh, the players adjusting and the coaching staff adjusting to the circumstances in recruiting. I think he feels good about the guys that he has on his staff to help them manage and adjust and work their way and, and figure it out. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. But I get the feeling that he it's not ideal, it's not the way they want, but it is what it is. Let's figure out a plan, and we'll make the boat the best of what we've got. The question is, is how does that compare to what others might be experiencing? Those are the, the, the unknowns that I think we need to fill in, hopefully try to fill in the blanks to, to see how it does compare. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, and Vince's appearance is brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break and be back with a final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk. 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900 puts you on 99.1, the sports animal. The sports animal and Alexa are best friends. Just tell her, Alexa, enable the 99.1 The Sports Animal skill. Skill enabled. Then anytime you want immediate Tennessee sports info, say, Alexa, play 99.1 The Sports Animal. Okay, playing 99.1 The Sports Animal. Final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk. Final segment with Vince Ferrara. We go to the phones and say hello to Roger. What's up, Roger? Uh, 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 not much, not much, John. Uh, how, how y'all doing? Doing well, thank doing you. Well, thanks. Oh, good. Uh, well, good. Vance, I just want to ask you, uh, Vance, about uh, 
Uh, I know that uh, the Tano, I know the has been saying uh, he he's uh, I know Tano said, I know, I know said the other day that he used to come from the system now uh, now in second year with uh, detaining. You, you think that uh, after hearing him say that, uh, Vance, uh, him say that he confident more confident? Uh, do you buy in? Do you believe that he can that he can he can, he can do better with second year with him saying that? You think he, he, for confident and that he said he said Vince, I, I I do Roger. There's there's no reason to believe that he is not more comfortable and more confident. Everybody around them says he is. His summer quarterback coach says he is. He's put on weight, uh, a good weight and some and some muscle. Uh, the first time he's had the opportunity to work with the same offensive coordinator and the same offensive system. Uh, naturally, he's going to have a better understanding of what he's doing. And and from what we heard last week, not only from Garantano, but his coaches, to me, one of the most significant things we heard from any player or any coach last week, Roger, was when Chris yeah. Winkie, the quarterback coach, said that the biggest thing for Garantano that he's improved on is his anticipation. And that's a thing that I think has held him back is a lot of times when you watch him, he throws the ball when a receiver goes gets open instead of anticipating it and letting it go before. Because if he waits until a guy is open, then throws it, by the time the ball gets there, sometimes it's too late. Or like we saw in the bowl game, he would throw the ball too late to where now the throw goes out of bounds or he sees a defender flash and he has to throw it uh, a little bit high or a little bit towards the sideline and and he's not as, as accurate when he doesn't have that just split-second anticipation. So that, to me, if it truly translates, is a huge thing that can improve Jerry Garantano this year in the system uh, again. So I, I believe him. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to have X yeah. number of stats because of it or be the best in the league, but he should be better with that, with that confidence. And I, I believe him when he says he is. Okay. All right. And also Vance, uh, I was going to ask you about, uh, I know this weekend, I uh, heard John Jimmy say this weekend, uh, football weekend, sorry, uh, the 20 games, sorry. I just want to ask you about that is how is, I know that stage, I know that stage, man. I'm not talking to the twins. How how is a team playing or playing this weekend? If the state not playing until at the end of the month, how how is a team playing, Vance? This weekend, I wonder. Well, the the other the other Power Five conferences that are playing the ACC. I think they have uh, games on Thursday and then this weekend and then the Big Twelve games this weekend as well so it'll be fun to see some of those uh bigger schools the power five schools in action probably the byu navy game was the one with excuse me the most name recognition among among any of the games that we've seen to this point but yeah looking forward to seeing even if they're non-conference games uh looking forward to seeing some of those uh other power five schools get in action and then obviously the SEC will get started in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and that was just the SEC yeah. taking the making their mind up to uh, to just start in the last week of September. Uh, they suspended okay. uh, essentially kind of all athletic uh, competition um, 
through August and into uh, towards the end of September, so that's when everything's going to get fired up. But, Roger, we sure do appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Uh, sure, sure. Hey, sure, Vince. Sure, sure. Thank you, Roger. Sure to appreciate it. And, Vince, uh, you've got um, MMA Radio coming up tomorrow night in the cage. And uh, so you're, it's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, and then folks should be paying attention to their schedules within the next week or two, correct? That's right. We'll be, we'll be following Will West on the starting 11. Uh, the, his great soccer show comes back tomorrow night from 7 to 8. We will follow that from 8 to 9 for one week. And then next week we move to Thursday nights, 8 to 9, and we'll be following Coach to Coach with Doug Matthews and, uh, uh, and Coach uh, Dave McGinnis from the Titans Radio Network. So excited about that move. And, uh, and yeah, we're, we'll have a, a terrific UFC fighter that's, on, that's fighting in Vegas for the UFC this uh, Saturday on Fight Week, Brian Barbarena, uh, you know, a, a, a terrific uh, UFC fighter is um, and teammate of Scott Hotsauce Holtzman. He is uh, our guest tomorrow night, so looking forward to talking to him on Fight Week, and we got some other big things planned for our move to Thursday nights. Vince, we sure do appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon, and we uh, also say thank you to Waters Equipment for making all this possible. But uh, have a great uh rest of your day and we look forward to your show tomorrow night all right you guys do the same appreciate you all right thank you, thank you. that's vince ferrara joining us on the stanley fencing and gates hotline